But anyway, it's a time of Advent, a time of waiting, a time of preparation. Uh, the word Advent means coming, and it's a waiting for the coming uh, for the coming of Christmas as we look at it, as we think about it. Christmas, which celebrates uh, the first coming of Christ, uh, you know, and, and as you think of, of Advent, and we always well, we generally look back. We are going to be looking back. Um, at uh, the first advent I used to ignore this when I preached uh, when I was doing pre- I would simply continue with whatever series I was in at the time and um, if it happened to be Christmas, a Christmas uh, type of theme that was good and if it, if it wasn't well then that's just the way that, that worked out well a friend of mine uh, Max Wanner some of you know knew Max uh, he was a pastor at Harvester Avenue Missionary Church uh, just a great guy. I just He was a, a very good friend. And he challenged me by his example, actually, to, to focus on Advent and to, um, you know, to make it uh, a time in which we really thought about it. And I found that it is a good thing to stop and consider. You know, it, it's, it's a great thing, really, to stop and uh, consider that first coming of Christ as we wait for his second coming. In one sense, Advent is an all-the-time thing. Uh, when you think of it as waiting, because we are waiting for a second coming. And uh, the people were in a, a bit of um, a state of heightened anticipation when Christ was born. Uh, at least as we look back on it, that's how, how it's seen. And uh, expecting that the Messiah would be coming. Um, and I hear a lot of talk you know, now, again, uh, you know, do you think he's coming back? So, well, I, I do know he's coming back. And I do know that, uh, well, I, I've, I, I'm pretty sure that whoever's alive when he returns is going to be surprised. Just as they were when he came the first time. Uh, you know, um, maybe a little less so because as we as we understand his second coming, as we look in scripture, um, it's going to make the first one pale in comparison to the um, I was going to say pageantry. Maybe that's not the word. Um, the the uh, uh, announcement, if you will. Uh, of of when he's coming, but you know we look forward to that second coming. So at any rate, so you know because of Max Wanner's uh, challenge to me, I've been doing um, an Advent series for 29 years now, uh, and I, I've not tired of looking at these passages that tell us about Jesus' incarnation. You know, particularly the accounts of his birth that are recorded in the gospel accounts. And again, this year. What we're going to be looking at over these next four weeks are the first two chapters in Matthew and the first two chapters in Luke. And, um, you know, as I was looking again at these accounts of Jesus' advent, I was telling Pastor Kent, uh, you know, I sat down. Actually, I, I had an idea of where I wanted to go because when I was working on random thoughts, a random thought came to mind and I jotted it down uh, and, and and that worked out into four things. And then last Monday uh, afternoon, um, I took Emery to her violin lessons because uh, Jess was grounded uh, because of COVID. And so anyway, um, I took her there and I was sitting in Sweetwater. And what a great place to study, Jeff. I just think it's wonderful. Um, they got a great facility there and there's people all over the place. 
which doesn't bother me sometimes. And as I sat there, God just kind of laid out these four things once again as I was reading through the accounts of Christ's first coming. But what I was reminded of as I was looking at it and thinking about what is becoming this series here, um, these folks were not aware of what was going on. When it was happening, when they were living through it, they weren't aware of going. And even for Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, you know, the ones we think of, even for them, there was a, a lot more going on than they knew. There was a lot more happening than they realized. You know, there was a lot more unfolding. You know, they were busy dealing with the here and now, and they weren't aware of the impact of the events that they were in the midst of. Uh, much like us, you know, we get caught up in the here and now and we're not really uh, aware of all the impact of what's going on. There was more than they knew going on. They were part of a bigger plan. They were part of the, the plan of sal- the salva- salvation of man as God was unfolding that out there. Uh, and here we are over 2,000 years later when we face the same situation. We find ourselves, you know, that we're not really aware of the impact of the things that we're in the midst of. And I believe that what we are in the midst of is more than we know. Even I'm even not talking just I'm not talking just uh, you know the whole broad spectrum of history at this point, but I'm also talking about your individual life. Your individual life is involved in a way with God more than you know and more than you realize. When I think back of the people who touched my life to help me come to know life in Christ, those were also very much a part of God's plan, and I don't know that they realized at those times as as they were interacting with me the impact that God was having in my life and using their life for in impacting me. And I think we find ourselves in that same situation now. You know that as we as we you know are are, are following God ourselves and we are part of that God's plan of salvation in someone else's life of helping them come to know Christ. I think as we go through these passages, I think God's going to help you see yourself and your situation in a new light over these next four weeks. Uh, And I think that he will help us remember that we're in the midst of more than we more than we know right now. Let's pray and we'll look at our first passage. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for the gift of Christ. Thank you for the gift of those people in my life who helped me come to know the Savior of the world. And I thank all these folks sitting here And I just kind of picture all those people around them that they know who aren't here now, but yet their lives touch them. They interact with them in their neighborhood at work and with their other family members. And to know that these here gathered together are part of your plan for the salvation of souls more than we know. 
What an awesome responsibility. What a tremendous privilege. What a great honor to be linked with you, the God of creation, the God of salvation. Teach us from your word this morning that we might know a little bit more, understand uh, a little bit broader that we are part of a reality that you are working out in the lives of other people. Some we may never know their name, but you do. So, Father, uh, teach us, touch us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. Luke chapter 1, and then drop down to verse 26 when you get there. It's on page 940 in the Pew Bible, if that's what you're using. Uh, we're going to be looking at the more familiar participants in the incarnation account. When we talk about incarnation, incarnation just simply means the enfleshment the, the, uh, of God himself taking on flesh. That's what incarnation means, you know, the, the, the taking on uh, of flesh. And uh, this, we're going to look at those more familiar participants, uh, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the Magi or wise men, depending on how you want to refer to them. Um, and we're going to look at them in that order because I was, as I was looking at it and reading through it and thinking about it, that's really, it seems to be the order in which they came to realize a little bit more uh, that there was a bigger role uh, than what they saw going on around them at the moment. And it just seems it unfolded in, in that order, Mary, Joseph, and then the shepherds, and then the Magi. Uh, today we're going to look at Mary as we consider the thought of real hope. Uh, real hope. Drop down to verse 26, Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Now, stick a marker there. We're going to come back. We're going to pick up. We're going to pick up uh, with verse 30 in a minute there. But notice it says that in the sixth month, is, is, it starts verse 26, in the sixth month. It refers to what came earlier in this chapter, what came just before this, actually. Gabriel had appeared to a priest, Zechariah, to tell him that he and his wife, Elizabeth, would be having a son. Now, uh, Elizabeth, you know, is referred to as barren and not having a child, and that was uh, that was a shameful thing in their society. Uh, but you know, the, the for a priest then not to have one to follow along in his line was even you know even almost kind of a, a little bit bigger dig. Well, Zechariah was uh, they drawn by lot to be the one to go in to offer the sacrifice. And as he was in there, he was met by the angel Gabriel, who explained to him that they would be having a son. And it wasn't just any son, as he explained to him, but one who would grow to be a man of faith, uh, you know, a, a man with a ministry to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. Their son was John the Baptist. Uh, and so the announcement of John the Baptist's birth immediately precedes this, not birth, but his coming, that he was going to be coming, immediately precedes this. And so that announcement that was made to Zechariah and his wife is then you see here where it says in the sixth month. That's the sixth month they're talking about. They're talking about the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John, you know, of, of giving later giving birth to John. 
And then after in that sixth month, when Elizabeth was in her sixth month, is when this angel Gabriel was dispatched to see, here it says, a virgin engaged to a man uh, named Joseph. And it says this virgin's name was Mary. Now, Mary had hoped to be married to Joseph. That was the plan that was that was going out. And it was a hope that was directing her actions. Um, and she was engaged to Joseph. I, I always think I, um, Tony and Jenna's anniversary is in December, and I just always love the pictures, you know, from their from their wedding uh, and stuff. And uh, yeah, and uh, several other others of you have uh, well anniversaries in December. And I think sometimes of what it was like. Dave and Cheryl. So it was twenty. It's not the twenty-sixth. That's Barb's birthday. Twenty what? Is he right, Cheryl? Oh, good job, Dave. Uh, but I was thinking to myself, how, how, what a challenge it must be to plan a wedding while you're also planning for Christmas. But Mary wasn't planning for Christmas, you see. She was just planning for a wedding, uh, you know, at that time. Uh, we can think of it, you know, we think of it sometimes in our terms and in our terms, um, you know, the, I, I'm sure none of none of our ladies turned into bridezilla or any of that. But the, you know, the, the whole um, uh, pressure and all this thing that that was that goes on in, into planning a wedding. Um, one of the couples that I, I uh, uh, really enjoyed uh, their attitude toward the wedding of Josh and, and Betsy. Um, they were planning their wedding, and uh, <laughs> I said, uh, you know, we always ask, well, how many people are going to come? I don't know, they said. I said, you don't know? No. Uh, we, we know how many we invited, but his dad keeps telling everybody he sees, hey, they're getting married. And I said, why don't you come? You know, why don't you come? And, and I said, okay, and they seem real calm about it. And I said, well, what about the reception? We're going to have food for 300. I said, and uh, when it's gone, it's gone. And then, hey, you know, you're good with that. I'm good with that. It was just, I thought, what a great way to go into, into planning a wedding and stuff. You know, and, but still, there's planning involved. Well, here, Mary has this hope to be married to Joseph. And her actions, you know, then were, were kind of in line with that. Uh, and it tells us that, that uh, Joseph was, it says, uh, you know, in the house of David. Now, that was an important detail as we look back on it. As they were doing it, it was just a matter of fact for Mary and Joseph. You know, they hoped to get married, and it just happened to be that Joseph was in the line of David, you know, and, and for them that it was just one of those things. I don't know what it would be like to be married, you know, as a child of a president or one of these things, but in many regards, you know, when, when if that happens... You know, I was a child of divorced parents, so, you know, it wasn't a real big deal. And I married a child of divorced parents, you know, so, you know, we didn't, we didn't have, uh, you know, any big lineage to, uh, or any big, um, uh, you know, there's nobody famous in, in my family. And Everett McKinley Dirks and Jenny's related to him. Some of you said, who's that? Well, he was a senator in Illinois, and he had a big deal. But anyway, uh, you know, so we didn't have you know, any of this lineage. But what would it be like, you know, to be, because while that's, while, you know, that's what it is, also at the same time, um, it's a promise between two people, you know, who are making this promise to each other. 
uh, and you know the the lineage that is there can certainly put some weight on some people but it's that promise between two people and so here is there you know as as we look at it it's an important detail it really is uh, an important detail because the messiah was to be a descendant of david but as mary and joseph were going into it i think it was just one of those things that was that's what it happens to be this is who i'm going to marry and he just happens to be in the line of david uh, but one of the places where we see the importance of it in first kings is david is is uh, exiting as david is exit getting ready to exit this world and he embraced and realized that promise that came and it says, as the, as the time approached for David to die, he instructed his son Solomon, As for me, I am going the way of all the earth. I like the way uh, King James says, uh, way of all the flesh, I believe. It says, be strong and be courageous like a man. We'll maybe do a sermon on this sometime, but you men can circle that. This is just an idea for you. Be strong and courageous like a man and keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and keep his statutes commands ordinances and decrees this is written in the law of moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn and so that the lord will carry out his promise that he made to me if your sons are careful to walk faithfully before me their whole mind with their whole mind and heart you will never fail to have a man on the throne of israel and this unfolds and culminates in the birth of Christ here, you know, and, but their expectation at that time still remained on the fact that the Messiah would be in the family line of David. Uh, that's what they expected. Now, it says when the angel came and talked to Mary, it says Mary was deeply troubled. And who wouldn't be if they're greeted by an angel? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would think you would be, you know, but Mary wasn't clear as to why that this was happening. But it came as an interruption into the life that she hoped to be living. She was planning on getting married to Joseph, you know, and they were going to raise this family together. And along comes this interruption. And the interruption came, you know, because the angel was was helping Mary to see, you know, God's plan. And God's Mary's plan was different than God's plan. And what was going on here is that it was being redirected, you know, to God's plan. What, you know, we need to do is we need to be aware that God may interrupt your plan. He may interrupt your plan because there is more than you know to his plan, you see. He may interrupt your plan because there's more than you know to his plan for you and to his plan as it unfolds. Now, I feel pretty safe in saying he won't send an angel to interrupt your plan. Now, he certainly could. I mean, he could. There's no question about it. I, I believe God could do that. But I think probably he won't, you know, because these are things outside of the ordinary. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, now we like to have spectacular displays, you know, that's what we like, ones that we cannot deny, ones that we can't avoid. Um, it, it would be, I was in a sportsman's warehouse uh, over the weekend on Friday, one of the, one of the things that I do with um, my one of my son-in-laws and my son uh, we go shopping on black friday 
uh, the ladies stay home. And it was just Michael and I for a while, my son-in-law Michael and I. And then uh, Pete said one, one year, hey, I, w- I want to go with you, you know. And so he came before work. And then he's been taken off work so he could go with us. So the three of us go uh, shopping. Uh, now, just so you know, we go to Menards, Lowe's, Home Depot, uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, uh, you know, sometimes uh, Dick's, because we're, we're looking for uh, tools and Michael is looking for guns and ammo. Uh, you know, so this is, this is, you know, how we do the shopping. Well, anyway, I'm in Sportsman's Warehouse, and as I'm walking through there, I notice they sell large cast iron cookware. And it seems like the whole line of it. And what we what, what what we what we want, you know, is is we want that you know some big spectacular displays. What we need sometimes is God to take one of those large cast iron pans and whoa, funk us right in the head, you know, uh, to get our attention. You see, because that's what we want. You know, what we want is, is we want proof. God wants faith. We want something to happen so that we can't, so that, you know, we, we can say, well, it was God. Everybody knows this was God, you know, and, and something certainly might happen in your life where you can say this was God. But see, the thing is, we want that big and spectacular stuff and we want that proof. And God wants faith. He wants faith. And part of faith is being aware that God may interrupt our plan. That's part of faith, being aware of the fact that God may interrupt our plan. Maybe it's better to think of God redirecting our plan. It's not always that he wipes it out. Sometimes it's just redirecting it. Notice here, Gabriel starts to redirect Mary. Look at verse 30. I told you to keep your Bible open. Look at verse 30 there. It says, Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Now, again, we're going to pause here for a minute. You know, keep your Bible open. Now, notice he begins with words of comfort. Do not be afraid. Uh, we get uneasy. We get fearful you know, when we're following our plan and something comes along and knocks us off kilter. You know, when we're following our plan and then, you know, for some of us, it only takes a little bit. For some of us, it takes a little bit more. You know, but when when we're going, you know, and and doing our thing and something comes and knocks us off kilter, you know, we begin to get nervous. We begin to get uneasy. We begin to get fearful. Gabriel comes and he gives Mary a direction. He redirects her. He gives her direction from God and redirects her. She is pursuing her own plan here to get married to Joseph. God refines her plan. Notice, he doesn't change it completely. He simply brings it, you know, he simply brings his plan to the forefront. 
He just brings out his plan. You know, when we're going along, listen to God. Listen to God's direction. Because there is more than you know to his plan. There is more than you know to his plan for your life even. So listen to God's direction as you're going along. I think it's important to note here, Mary was not pursuing sin. You see, we're not talking about being changed from doing something sinful into doing something unsinful. Certainly, if, you, if that's the case for you, you need to change. If you see you're doing something sinful, stop, repent. That's pretty clear in Scripture. But here, that's not what's going on. Mary, you know, Mary was not ignoring God. Notice what it says, that she had found favor with God. Now, while we can speculate, you know, and come up with several possibilities of exactly what that phrase might mean, one thing is clear, one thing is clear to me, she was not, she was, you know, she was not ignoring God. If she found favor with God, she was not ignoring God. She was not involved in sin here because it says she found favor with God. Notice she's described as a virgin as well as finding favor with God. Now, theologically, this is important, you know, that she that she's a, a virgin here because Jesus was born without sin. He was born with no propensity or bent towards sinning, you know, no, no selfish or self-serving motivations, no sin ever in his life. You know, that, that's an important thing. And here Gabriel comes and gives Mary information from God. He gives her direction to be able to understand what is coming and to, better, to be able to better follow God. We need that. We need that. And we have that in God's word. We have, you've heard me say it before, and it's 99% of God's will for your life is right here in his word. And, and the direction for probably at least 95% of your questions is right here in his word. You know, and, and easy to follow. And he gives us that direction, you know, and we need, you know, to do it. Now, Mary's a little confused. And she asked for clarification. God never, God does not mind your honest questions. He never does. The difference between Mary's question, Zechariah, when you read his thing, uh, his thing, when you read the account about him, and, and he was then, um, I was going to say deaf, he was unable to speak. He was mute uh, until John was born because he was, he was questioning as to, as to really saying this can't happen. Mary is saying, this doesn't seem to make sense to me. How, you know, what's going on here? Uh, and, uh, you know, in fact, I, I would say God desires that you seek and ask questions. God desires that you search for clarity. God would love for you to be looking for a greater understanding. Now, she grasped what she could here. She was going to have a child through a miraculous act of God. And she's told her cousin was expecting a child through a miracle of God as well. You know, it would be comforting to know you're not the only one. Now, she was the only one in the sense of how she would become pregnant. And she was in the sense of that she was carrying the Son of God, part of God himself. You know, Mary knew the what. What she didn't really understand was the how. She was told what was going to happen, the how she didn't understand, but she didn't let that stop her from obeying. She didn't let that stop her from following God. She chose, she chose to have faith that God was right. Notice what she says. I am the Lord's slave, Mary said. May it be done to me according to your word. 
She had questions. She didn't understand the how, but she did understand who. She understood it was God. And she knew what she needed to do. The same thing we need to do. Yield and follow God. Yield and follow God because there is more than you know as he works out his plan. There's more than you know as he works out his plan, so yield and follow God. You may not have all the answers. I feel pretty confident in, in telling you for sure you won't have all the answers, okay? Now, I just you know, don't let that hurt your feelings. Just suck it up and realize it's true. You won't have all the answers. There's a huge difference between us and God. And he has the answers, and we don't. You know, and, and Mary didn't have all the answers here. You know, and we may not have all the answers. You know, and, and you might still be wondering why this is happening, or how God can work this for good in your life, you know, with what's going on. Uh, but you can still yield and follow in faith that God's way is best. And I believe that's what Mary did here. And look what she does, verse 39. Pick up with me, verse 39. It says, in those days, Mary hurried out, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, You are the most blessed of women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. She who has believed is blessed because what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. Again, we're going to pause for just a minute. We'll pick up a couple of more verses. But I, I think this is a very crucial part of this passage. We focus on some of the other things a little more sometimes, but I think this is very crucial. Mary is told that her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant by a miracle of God, so she travels to see Elizabeth. I get it. That makes sense. You, you, to have someone, you know, if something is going on in your life, you know, and, and, you know, you try to understand and try to seek out someone who's had a very similar experience with God. I've talked to, you know, to pastors and other people who have gone through some of the things that I'm facing or that I see coming, and I say, you know, just tell me, how did, how did this, you know, how did this fit together in your life? Can you tell me, how did you see what helped you? you know, and and to, be able to, to be able to go through that. And here's what, here's what Mary is doing with, with, uh, with Elizabeth. You know, and, and now Elizabeth's response, her response makes very clear to Mary that Mary's experience was on a different level. That there is a, there is a different intensity to Mary's. Look at, what's, look at what's going on. Mary's aware that God was interrupting her plans. You know, she listens to God's direction that came, you know, through God's servant there. And she yields to God and follows him. She took action, went to her cousins, I think seeking answers, but she was still confused about all this. You see, pursue through your confusion. I think she's still looking for answers here. Continue to pursue God through your confusion because there is more than you know. There is more than you know. And it's not what, you know, it's not what we hoped for, but it's rather following God's plan that's best. Not what we hope for, but His plan. His plan is always best. And it's best to pursue His plan even when we don't understand. 
Mary hoped to be married to Joseph, and it seems to quietly raise her family. Now that still happened. You see a few glimpses of Mary as we go through the Gospels, but really, for the most part, you know, she and Joseph, you know, lived, raised their, their family there. Mary was unsure at this point, you know, of what's going on, you know, and, and certainly unsure of the outcome. And it seems it wasn't until she pursues some clarity here by going to Elizabeth that things start to come together and she starts to get some understanding. Elizabeth's reaction, it seems to me, that Elizabeth's reaction helped Mary to connect the jumbled pieces. Look again, verse 43. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is Mary's cousin speaking to her. Verse 44, for you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. She who has believed. I think Mary was trying to work through. She trusted God, but she's trying to work through some of the confusion. She who has believed is blessed because of what he has spoken of her by the Lord will be fulfilled. Her belief drove her to actions. And then notice, follow along, after Elizabeth said this, Then, look at what Mary says. After Elizabeth lays this on her, then, verse 46, Mary says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She goes on with a litany of praise. We don't have time to to go through that today, but she goes on with with this litany of praise, sometimes called Mary's hymn, of praise to God. When we are a bit confused and God seems to be redirecting us, remember that God's plan is more than we know. But real hope, real hope grows the more we realize that God can be trusted. Mary realized that God could be trusted. And she continued on. Work, work, pursue God through the fear, through the confusion to get to the place where you can say, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. That you are so much more than we know. That your plans for us far outweigh our own thoughts and ideas and plans. But thank you that you can be trusted. Thank you that we can come, that we can follow, that we can pursue you, that as, as we become aware and we think our plans are interrupted, but when it's you, Father, help us to listen to your direction. Help us to listen to your word. Help us to follow you. Help us to yield to you and follow you and to pursue, pursue you, even through our confusion, to know we're following after you, Father, because you can be trusted. And that brings hope. Continue to transform us more into people of hope. People of real hope. Because we know in whom we believe. We know the one in whom we trust. And we want to direct all glory and honor to you, we pray. Guide us toward that, we ask. In Christ's name. 
Amen.